Hi, I'm Brent Van Hook, director of Shepherd's Fold Ministries. Shepherd's Fold Ministries ministers to ministers. Learn more about us at shepherdsfoldministries.com where we have a wealth of resources for your minister, including, for example, the most up-to-date list of retreat centers and vacation homes that are specially designed for ministers. Uh, this is a list that encompasses the entire United States and Canada. So uh, send your minister to shepherdsfoldministries.com and have them take a look at some of what we provide for them. Well, it's a joy to welcome Terry Toller to today's uh, podcast. As we are here, we're part of a podcast uh, series talking about Pastor Appreciation Month. I know you're going to enjoy this interview, so thank you for tuning in. Let's turn now to my interview with Terry. Hey, we want to welcome a good friend of mine, Dr. Terry Toller. Dr. Toller is, uh, you could describe in a lot of different ways. He's a preacher, uh, administrator, he's a songwriter, um, and um, now a full-time grandparent. Is that the best way of saying it now? The most full-time? glorious occupation I've ever, uh, I've ever held. Retired now uh, as far as vocational status and uh, loving these grandparent days. It's a joy to be with you, Terry, and thank you for this time together today. Thanks, uh, Brent. It's great to be uh, with you. I love Shepherd's Folds Ministry and have um, followed and participated in it over the years. And uh, your recent research has uh, really, really been exciting to see. And um, um, I'm thrilled about what you're, what you're doing in terms of offering resources and uh, real-time uh, help uh, to pastors. Um, and uh, it's a privilege to be with you. Well, thank you. Thank you for this time. We have uh, October coming up, Pastor Appreciation Month. And Shepherd's Fold is making a special emphasis to encourage churches to let their appreciation for their ministers be known. What would you like to say in terms of encouragement for them? Uh, Any insights, reasons why, how-tos? What comes to mind when you think about the importance of pastor appreciation? Well, uh, several thoughts. I spent uh, 25 years uh, in local church ministry, and so I think I have a a perspective on that uh, from my own uh, practical life and ministry experiences. Um, And for the last uh, couple of decades working in Christian higher education and uh, focusing on uh, the church and university relationships, so uh, I've been involved in just hundreds and hundreds of conversations with pastors and lay people over the years, uh, and I think there are, there are probably three things that I would like to say to maybe just encourage uh, folks to think about the the blessings and the benefits of uh, celebrating clergy appreciation. Appreciation Month in in real practical ways, meaningful ways. Uh, years ago, I read a r- little book by Robert Fulgham, and in the book, he he talks about uh, gifts, and he says it's 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 the gift that matters. It's not just the thought that counts. 
the gift really matters. And he says it this way, um, good thoughts should produce good gifts. And I think uh, Clergy Appreciation Month is a time for for congregations, I think, to celebrate at least three things as I think about it and to uh, encourage pastors in these ways. And the first one is to say to your pastor, uh, you are not alone. Uh, I think research shows that people in the helping professions uh, can suffer from a sense of isolation. Uh, they continue to pour themselves out and um, they support others, but they also need support. And I think uh, Clergy Appreciation Month is is a time where uh, lay people can say to, you, to your pastor, you are not alone. As I think about um, the meaning of, of uh, kleros, the called out ones, and laos, the people of God, I'm reminded that uh, these differentiations are uh, not about status, but are about function. And so those who have been called out for a particular function, I think they deserve uh, the people of God surrounding them and saying to them, you are not alone. Mm -hmm. I think saying to them, your ministry matters. What you're giving your life to really matters, I think, would be the second thing that I would want to emphasize mm -hmm. um, by observing however you choose to observe, hopefully with good <laughs> gifts. Right. Uh, and then just to say you you are loved, not in a just a general kind of sense, but in a very specific way. Uh, let me let me uh, let me just illustrate it this way. Uh, I got this inspiration from a friend uh, this past Christmas, and uh, I learned that for uh, the twelve days leading up to Christmas, he got his wife a gift. Uh, they weren't big, elaborate gifts, but he made a list of her loves. He made a list of her preferences. He made a list of things that she enjoyed, and then he worked from that list. And so for the 12 days preceding December the 25th, each day he gave her a gift. And so I, I did it this past Christmas. I think it meant more to me than it meant to my wonderful wife, Sue, in some ways, because as I thought about her loves, I thought about what a wonderful mate she is, mm -hmm. the example that she's been for our children, and uh, on and on I could go about that. But uh, as she received those gifts, and I gave those gifts in sincerity, small gifts. I don't think there were any gifts, probably over $20 out of all the 12 days. But I think it made our relationship and our celebration of the Christmas season very, very special. And I think that's a possibility. That's a possibility uh, for Clergy Appreciation Month. When the people of God say to their pastor, the called out ones, um, we know what you love. We know what you need. Right. Uh, 
uh, and we're aware of that, and we want to meet those needs in loving ways and giving uh, thoughtful gifts uh, out of love. Um, and I think the timing, the timing sometimes is just really, really critical. I, I know there's a month set aside, but I like to say it this way. Uh, while there's no expiration uh, date on gratitude, gratitude's always a good thing. I think there's a timeliness to the expression and the, and the proper expression of gratitude that can maximize mm -hmm. uh, the way gratitude is shown. I agree, right. And so, uh, so I would just really encourage uh, lay people um, to think about uh, Clergy Appreciation Month in, in that way, that it, it comes in the cycle, the cycle of mm -hmm. our living together in this living faith community. It comes in the rhythm. Right. And this is something that we do not out of necessity. We do it because we want to and because it's genuine and sincere. And um, I, uh, I, I, I just have really, really high hopes that people listening uh, will, will uh, do some wonderful things and surprise and delight their pastors. And by doing so, encourage them and lift them up and help them to do more than they thought they could. Mm -hmm. That's the way God's blessings work, where, where we reach out to others. And, and the, the strengthening of that relationship between the congregation and its minister, uh, God can just, again, multiply his work as a result of that. So, uh, yeah, thank you for those insights. We want to be people who show our appreciation to our ministers and see God's kingdom during uh, grow during this time. Do you have any thoughts regarding church and pastors during the pandemic? Any thoughts about that? Yeah, I, um, this is just such a, uh, the word unprecedented is, is used, and I guess it's because we're, you know, we don't, we can't find any other way to say it. Mm -hmm. Unprecedented times. Um, but I often have said to pastors in the last month, uh, months uh, since the pandemic broke out and we've had kind of fits and starts in terms of returning to uh, worship gatherings and they, they look different, they feel different. Um, and, and I've said to pastors uh, who have expressed frustrations uh, about navigating this I, you know I, this is my first pandemic as a pastor I don't know exactly what to do I'm feeling my way along mm -hmm. a darkened hallway and that, mm -hmm. those kinds of expressions and what I've said to them consistently is you're probably doing better than you think you are mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so don't be too hard on yourself mm -hmm. so it's really likely that you're doing better than you think you are but for sure, people want to hear your voice. That's a lot of responsibility. And there are committees that you have set up and, and uh, folks who work together in collaboration to make decisions. 
that they are looking for their pastor. They're listening for their pastor to give spiritual leadership as well as administrative guidance. And, and I, I think most pastors are probably doing better than they think they're doing. Uh, and another thing that I think we need to be reminded of, too, is it, while it looks different and it feels very, very different, more good is being accomplished than we can know because this is the church of God. It is not, right. it is not ours. Right. And sometimes we think that we have to see what God is doing in order for it to be affirmed. Mm. And I would counter and say that just because we don't see what, it, what, what we think it ought to look like when God is working doesn't mean that God isn't working. And so, so I would say... Uh, just celebrate, celebrate in the knowledge that God is doing more than you can see. Just think about it. If you had to see everything he was doing, he'd be a really small God. Hmm. Right. Because our vision is so limited. limited. Mm -hmm. So through the Zoom calls and through the Facebook Live and through chat rooms and through drive-bys and mm -hmm. everything else, just trust in the reality that God is doing more than you know. Mm -hmm. He's doing more than you know. And, and one other thing is you're not alone. Right. You're not That's alone. Right. And right. we need to be reminded of that, that, that we are not alone. And God has promised to be with us. Uh, but he is with us in the community of faith. Exactly. He is with us right. in these relationships as we work out our faith and fear and trembling. And uh, I, I don't know what it's going to look like in six months. There are those who predict that it will be very, very different and we'll never go back. I don't know. I don't think anybody knows. Don't trust anybody who says they know exactly what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. But I do know this. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm -hmm. God is unchanging. His purpose is unchanging. And uh, he is still seeking and saving the lost. Mm -hmm. And we get to be a part of that. And so uh, while these are incredibly challenging days, I think these are also great days to be alive on the planet Earth and be in the ministry. Amen. I agree. Let's continue to uh, uphold our ministers and, and be praying for them and helping them. That leads me to another question I have for you. Do you have any thoughts and memories of special times in which people prayed for you when you were their pastor in particular? I'm thinking of those times. Any stories that come to mind, any special moments in which you were prayed for as, a, uh, as you being a pastor? Well, that's a great question, and, and, and let me just say this uh, first. If I was a good pastor, I hope I was. I continue to think of myself as a pastor and always will. If I was, it was because great lay people invested in me and guided me and were examples uh, for me, and I treasure uh, so many relationships through the years of people that uh, made me better than I was. But um, your question about a, a time that somebody prayed for me, I have one profound memory. I had taken my leadership team, my board staff, 
to some event. I don't even remember the event, but it was some convention gathering. And we had ended up actually in my hotel room. We were crowded in my hotel room at the end of the day, a long day. And we were just kind of debriefing, going around the room, talking about all that we had experienced and what it might look like for us to take some of this back to our church and our local setting. And uh, we had prayed together and testified and, and done all those things. And they were about ready to leave. And then uh, a man who was an accountant by trade um, said, you know, before we go, I think we ought to pray for our pastor. And uh, so it was kind of a surprising initiative, but uh, on his part, but it was wonderful. And let me tell you how wonderful it was. They gathered around me, and he led the prayer. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. Here's what he prayed for me. He said, Father, I, I'm praying for my pastor, who is the keeper of secrets. People tell him things that he can't share with anybody else, and he has to keep them in confidence. And I pray that you will give him the strength and the grace as the keeper of secrets to serve and to minister to those who share those close things of their hearts to him. It, it was this the most wonderful prayer. And in that moment, I, I felt the love of the fellowship. I felt the support of my brothers and my sisters uh, the lay people in the room. And I've never gotten away from the benefit of that prayer. And I think it's true for, uh, for all of our pastors. If your sermon was a good one on Sunday, there were probably a group of lay people who were praying <laughs> that it would be a good one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, whatever you've succeeded at, mm -hmm. there's probably a story mm -hmm. of somebody who said, I prayed for you. One more real quick story. Uh, I was leaving uh, for an out-of-town conference on a Sunday night after church. And I got in my car. And um, uh, after the Sunday evening service, it was wintertime, so it was dark out. And, and uh, left. And as I was traveling through the night... I had a flat tire, and it could have been really, really a, a bad situation because the tire just completely unraveled. Later, there was a recall on that particular tire. Mm -hmm. But a week or so later, I'm back at church, and a layperson said, uh, Pastor, I, I saw you get in your car on Sunday night. And I said, no, I was going out of town. And she said, you know, the Lord impressed me to pray for you and your safety. And I said, thank you so much. Because in the night, I had what could have been a catastrophic event when a tire blew out on the highway. Wow. And she was praying. Wow. So thank God for those, those, those prayer warriors that are yes. lifting up their prayers and also by doing so lifting up the arms 
of the weary pastors who just don't have the strength sometimes to raise their own prayers or their own arms. Right, right, right. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> well, can we circle back to the concept of timing? Uh, you talked about uh, within appreciation how it may be true that there's no expiration date, however, you can maximize its effectiveness by doing it the right timing. Uh, I think another phrase I may have heard you say is uh, Holy Spirit impulses. Mm. Is that a fair uh, concept, a, a phrase that you may have thought of in terms of when you sense God speaking to you to do something? Can you unpack a little bit about your thinking when you sense that you may be impressed by God to pray for someone, to write someone a letter, there's a, I, I, there's a freedom in the way that you do that. So can you share a little bit about that mindset as you feel this uh, Holy Spirit impulse? Mm -hmm. I, I like to think about it uh, in, in this way. Um, I call it the fine art of noticing. And I think it goes with gratitude, and I think it goes with uh, the Holy Spirit impulses. Uh, and so uh, as I have grown in my faith, I have, I have learned over time that God, for his purposes, may bring someone to my mind. And everybody has a different way of responding. Um, and sometimes it may be that just through the ordinariness of life, I notice something. And I think, again, that is a part of the Holy Spirit impulse and the awareness. The fine art of noticing mm -hmm. is, is the Holy Spirit saying, look over there, look up, look this way, notice this, and then do something. So I, I, have, uh, I have been a note writer. Uh, not many people receive a handwritten note. Let me ask you a question. Uh, how many handwritten notes do you think you have received, personal handwritten notes you've received in the last year? Uh, I, very, very few. I can think of a few. Yeah. And they stand out. Yeah, I kind of put you on the spot, but that's yeah, my, I can think my of point is note. most of us do not receive very many handwritten notes. I agree, notes. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, my handwriting is terrible. Uh, it's, it's not great. But when the Lord brings somebody to my mind, quite often it is I get the impulse just to say, today, the Lord brought you to my mind. I'm not exactly sure why, but I just wanted to write you. And as I'm thinking about you, I'm also breathing a prayer for you. So stay encouraged. You are loved. Yeah. Blessings, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, the other day I got a phone call, and uh, it was from, from a pastor, and, and, and he and his family have been struggling through this pandemic. In fact, his call was to tell me that he was ready to just give up. Hmm. I had no idea that, the note that I had written him would come at just such an opportune moment. And this is not to make me sound mm -hmm. heroic, but it was just the timing. And I think it was a Holy Spirit impulse to write this pastor. 
So I had written him, and he said, you know, your note of encouragement came. And so he said, that's why, he said, that's why I'm reaching out to you. Can we talk a few minutes about what's going on? Mm-hmm. And in his case, he had had COVID. His wife had had COVID. Mm. He had been dealing with the congregation about their understanding of what steps should be taken and, and the, you know, the political parties that are saying, if you do this, then you're with them, or if you do that, you're with them. And, yeah. and he was struggling. He said, I just, I just want to quit. And I can't say what he has done. I'm praying for him now, even mm-hmm. now. But I do know that the impulse I had to write that pastor, I think, was a Holy Spirit moment. I can't say that I'm always obedient and I've always done what I should have done. And maybe for others it would be to send a text or an, an email or to make a quick phone call. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to reach out in a very human way to another human being and say, you are on my mind. You're on my heart. And as a believer, when I'm made aware of these kind of things, the first thing I want to do is say, Lord, bless them, help them, encourage them, touch them, whatever they need. You've brought them to my mind, and now I'm praying for them. And and so I, I don't have a I don't have a system or anything like that, and I'm I'm probably not a good example at it uh, at the end of the day. But uh, I do think that I am more my best self, my best Christian self. When I don't delay, I just go ahead and do it. I don't worry about, well, will they think I want something in return? Or do they think I'm trying to be super spiritual? Or I have some kind of, you know, mystical knowledge? Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't even think about that when I'm at my best. I just do it. Right, right. I, I appreciate the freedom in that, that I don't have to worry about being recognized for doing it or that they have to come back and say it changed my life. Or, or The response is not, the, the response that I perceive to receive from them is not uh, the fulfillment of my heart of doing it. I just was obedient. Then whatever comes of it uh, is fine. You've said it. You've said it better than I than I, than I've said it. I, I believe that exactly. Freedom. Oh, I want to live that way. <laughs> I want to continue to live in God's freedom. <laughs> Let, uh, let's shift gears just a little bit. Let me. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to give you a phrase so that we'll do rapid fire. So there's no um, there's no high pressure for you to talk at length about any of these. If there's something that you want to talk about. If you want to share a story or expound on, if you have an idea or two, um, fine. If not, what comes to mind when I say some of the following phrases, okay? So we'll play rapid-fire phrase for Terry Toller. Here we go. All right, number one. Cultivate friendships beyond the circle of your ministry assignment. What comes to mind when I say that phrase? Uh. Getting out of what is comfortable, um, yeah. and and that that sometimes is a, a real test of our resolve. We can say that, but to get out of the comfort zone, 
the Fairfield Five have a wonderful song called Living in the Comfort Zone. I love, <laughs> I love that black spiritual. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's not easy. And, but I think it's right. Mm-hmm. I think it's right. I think it's essential. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let me give you this phrase. Pour peace and lavish love onto family and ministry relationships. What comes to mind when I say that? Well, I I think we have a high calling not only to the gospel, but we have a high calling to to our family and friends, those closest uh, to us every day uh, to be uh, uh, purveyors of peace and uh, leaders that uh, that that bring love uh, to, to every every connection. Yes. Amen. Live out a financial plan. Anything come to mind when I say that? Now, let me give you a couple things to go along with that, okay? okay? One is uh, to become debt-free. So I'm, I'm asking that we have that value. Secondly, create your future income, not government, not denominational. So here again, the phrase is live out a financial plan. Anything pop into your mind when you hear that? Yeah, back to the word that we used just a minute ago, uh, you used uh, freedom. I think there is great freedom in planning. And I think the earlier, uh, when we're talking about financial focus, I think the earlier uh, that starts, uh, all the better. There are a lot of things that work to our advantage when we start early. But at the end of the day, I think um, uh, planning brings brings freedom, and, as, and especially as it relates to our our future and our well-being in in retirement years uh, uh, we certainly want to have freedom uh, from from debt Mm -hmm. okay let me give you this phrase and give you a quick explanation of what I mean by it so uh, here's the phrase share stories of God victories and by that I mean not only tell your stories but also listen to others so here's the phrase again share stories of God victories. What comes to mind when you hear that? Well, I grew up in a tradition of, of uh, testimony meetings. Uh, I don't know, know if, if it's very popular anymore, but people would uh, give testimonies about what God is doing, what God has done, and what they hope God would do. And uh, sometimes they were great meetings, and sometimes they were, they were, they were, uh, they were awkward. But I think that uh, I, as a grandparent, you mentioned my love for my grandchildren. I have five of them, uh, and they're close to me. And I want to testify. I want to share stories with them about the goodness of God. But I, I also want to share stories with my neighbors mm-hmm. and uh, with people I come in contact with. I want to be quick to tell the positive story of how faith is uh, faith in Christ Jesus has made all the difference in the trajectory of my life. Yes, yes. Okay, here's another phrase: play like a kid at recess. <laughs> what comes to mind when you think of that phrase? Play like a kid at recess. Yeah, I I, just, I love that. I love that because I think we, as we, uh, I like to refer to this. Uh, this season of my life is my advanced adolescence, uh, and, and I think we lose we lose our imagination. And imagination is a muscle, 
and we need to use it. And we need to exercise it. And and I think uh, I have learned. Uh, I've learned so much by being around my grandchildren and watching their fruitful imaginations and just the joy, the giddiness of playfulness. And I think it's something that we need to we need to maintain um, well beyond childhood. Mm-hmm. And sadly, we we lose it along the way. The bumps and the bruises of life can kind of knock that that sense of play out of us but I think it's just essential for health and balance. I will ask you to tell one quick story as you and I are together right now you've just come off uh, some time together with some grandchildren and there was a game that you all played that uh, you were asking for imagination and creativity from them to talk about a restaurant uh, and to give their vote for a restaurant and you asked them to do it in story form, or, or I, I'm not sure I'm telling it right. Tell me, tell that story real quickly. Yeah, so so uh, so we were spending time together, and it was it was lunchtime, and so I said, well, let's let's have a debate, and let's all make the case. My grandson is 13, and my granddaughter is nine. So I said, let's each make the case for the restaurant. We can't name the restaurant, so in our case. But we can tell a story that will be a compelling story, and then we'll get the vote and see where we go for lunch. So, so my granddaughter, she went first, and she talked about this impressive hedgehog who was faster than a roly-poly going downhill. And without saying Sonic, that's what she meant. Uh-huh. So she made the case for Sonic. I talked about a farmer whose name was Bob and Bob had cattle and pigs and chickens, and he made the best breakfast. And, of course, I was pulling and trying to make the case for lunch at Bob Evans, uh, a popular restaurant, uh, at least in this part of the country. So then it came time for my 13-year-old uh, grandson, and uh, he uh, grabbed his computer, and he said, just a minute, just a minute. And he pulled up a couple of things, and then he said, I'm ready. I said, make your case. He said, do you know how many cows there are in America today? And my granddaughter and I, we said, we don't know. He said, one billion, according to a study and such and such. So then he said, do you know how many chickens there are in the United States, according to such and such and so forth? And we said, we don't, we don't, we don't know. He said, 24 billion chickens he said do i need to say more we need to save the cows (laughs) chick-fil-a (laughs) chick-fil-a what fun i thought it was brilliant but but imagination they didn't know it they didn't know it but they were inspiring me to use my imagination muscle yeah yeah <laughs> to yeah. exercise my imagination muscle yeah and uh, i think we just need to recover that sense of playfulness yeah and um uh i i i am blessed i am blessed by uh, by these experiences with them <laughs> wonderful wonderful <clears throat> let me give you another phrase here's the phrase uh, and I'll give it to you in a couple of different ways. W- one phrase, one way to say it is minister in some form today. Let me give it to you in a different way also. 
serve those right in front of you today. Maybe that's the phrase I, I'd like for you to respond, uh, for which I'd like to, for you to respond. Serve those right in front of you today. Anything come to mind when I say that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that sometimes there is this this sense of confinement that that ministry takes place in a particular place in with well-defined practices and that's true that's true a minister of the gospel does those things but uh, when maybe you don't have a charge uh, in retirement or in other seasons of life uh, as a christian believer i think the call is still for us to serve those who are right in front of us it may be family it may be friends. It may be a stranger. But to look at those full image bearers of God that are right in front of us, that God seems to put in there through providence, uh, through just the ordinariness of life, and we find those people in front of us, is there something that we can do, something we can say, some way that we can help them uh, to meet a need? Or to just affirm their humanness, hmm. to affirm their personhood, hmm. to say, I see you. Mm-hmm. Um, and a funny story, we ended up at Sonic to just kind of close that loop. We ended up at Sonic. And uh, uh, so there was a, a mature woman, uh, let me say it that way, a mature woman who came to, to bring our, our food to us at the window and and as she walked away, I said to the grandchildren, I said, you know, I respect, I respect that lady and her work. Uh-huh. And yeah. we're grateful that, that she's working here today because she brought our food. She's helping us. She's helping all these people in these cars, you know. And so I'm really grateful. And my granddaughter piped up and said, yeah, you ought to appreciate people who have jobs because now you don't have a job. <laughs> <laughs> She said that uh, a matter of weeks after your official retirement yeah. from uh, from your job. So, <laughs> uh, my son's a baseball player. One of my sons is a baseball player. So let me give you Fielder's Choice. Any topic, anything. Uh, is there any subject you'd like to talk about? A story you'd like to tell? Insights you'd like to share? Fielder's Choice. Terry Toller. What do you have? Um. I think that as uh, I have uh, navigated uh, 45 years of uh, Christian service and, and, and Christian ministry, um, I think uh, I've made many things too complex. Uh, I have input is one of my strengths, and so I'm very curious, and I've read a lot, studied a lot, listened a lot, and tried to sort through a lot of things. And, and I believe in a, a thinking faith. I believe that we, God has given us our minds, and we all have different ways of thinking about things. But I would say, if I could say to my younger self, Don't make this so hard. Don't make this so complex. Don't get lost in 
ecclesiology. Don't get lost in theology. Don't get lost in so many other things. Keep it simple. Jesus loves me, this I know. I have decided with my whole heart that I know no other way to God except through Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. That's what I've decided. I've staked my life on it. So, simply put, Jesus is the way. Simply put, Jesus is the truth. Simply put, Jesus is the life. And I regret at times I made it much more complex than it needed to be internally and perhaps externally. And so the simplicity message is is uh, one that I I'm, I'm preaching to myself. And if anybody else is listening, the other day I had a colleague come in. This was right before I retired, and and he sat down as somebody that I had hired for the organization many years ago, and and now he's in a senior leadership role. And and he said. Um, he said, before you leave, he said, do you have any advice for me? And I said, no, not really, except maybe this. Just keep it simple. Hmm. Just keep it simple. And nothing will be more difficult or more challenging. Hmm. But I think, I think it is a way forward um, that is promising. And I also think it's productive. Yeah. The gospel is the gospel. Right. And uh, politics is not the gospel. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of distractions in keeping the main thing, the main thing. Right. Is, uh, so thanks for the fielder's choice. So I hope I didn't make an error. No. <laughs> Grand slam. Grand slam right here. Well, as I think back... Um, to uh, my years in ministry and all that God has done in my life, uh, you have been one that has consistently been a part of my life and made investments in me um, uh, in, in various places that I've been, locations from my very first church uh, through uh, Shepherd's Fold, and you continue to be a friend and someone that I uh, look to, and I just want to thank you again being part of this time together and uh, all that you mean to God's kingdom and all that you mean to me. So thanks again, Terry Toller, for being part of this time. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thanks again for tuning in to today's podcast. Don't forget to check out shepherdsfoldministries.com where we have a wealth of resources for your minister, including a listing of all retreat centers and vacation homes that are specially designed for ministers. That list includes vacation homes and retreat centers in the United States and Canada. So take a look at that and reach out with love and care to your minister, especially during Pastor Appreciation Month. Thanks again for tuning in.